Welcome to the Strangeology Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Boren. From cryptozoology, ufology, and the paranormal, to legends, forbidden history, and more, listen in and explore the world of the weird and unexplained. Join me as I look into strange and fascinating tales and unearth the truths and theories behind some of the world's greatest mysteries. Be sure to head on over to our HQ, strangeology.com, where you can check out our blog, episodes archive, gift shop, sign up to our email list, and so much more. For daily updates, trivia, shenanigans, and the occasional giveaway, follow us on social media over Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And now, on to this week's episode. Hey, and welcome back to the Strangeology Podcast. I hope everyone has had a great past week. Um, I just celebrated my birthday, uh, another trip around the old sun, uh, but I kind of like to keep it low-key, so uh, I just watched The Legend of Boggy Creek. Um, And speaking of which, uh, there is this, I just wanted to say, a new app called Clubhouse that uh, Strangeology is on, all thanks to Jeremiah over at the Bigfoot Society podcast. Uh, and he's working on building a dedicated space to the cryptid, um, paranormal, weird community over there. And so far, it's been a great time. It's an audio-only platform, which is... You know, it's different than, say, your your Instagrams or your, your YouTube or, you know, anything like that. So get on it if you can. It's invite only at the moment, uh, but hopefully you'll know someone who who can shoot one over to you. Uh, the other night we were we were chatting about uh, our favorite cryptid themed movies and interestingly Matthew Lowe and his dad Rob Lowe popped in on our chat and that kind of blew my mind and (laughs) funnily enough I actually didn't realize who it was at first uh, until uh, other people in the chat were like hey that's who that was and I was like oh I guess I gotta pay better attention but you know it be like that sometimes. <laughs> uh, just want to do to do a quick uh, plug for a new shop update uh, with Valentine's Day being right around the corner. If you're into cryptozoology and fun and cute cryptids, I just updated my my Etsy shop with uh, a boatload of designs. Uh, so you might want to check that out if you're so inclined. Uh, you can find uh, the link in the show notes uh, or just head on over to my website, uh, strangeology.com, uh, or just check out my Instagram as well. Uh, usually when I have a shop update or a new design, I'll, I'll make a post over there to announce it. So, if you remember the call-out from my last couple episodes, this week's episode is going to be the first in a series of listener stories and experiences in the world of weird. I don't know how often I'll 
do these, uh, but definitely every once in a while, I'll probably put a call out. Um, and you know, it's a, a an ongoing uh, submission. So if you have a story of something uh, strange or unexplained that you've experienced, uh, please send send it in to me. My DMs are always open, or you can shoot me an email. Uh, I, I think at some point I might want to try to set up some kind of um, phone line or, or something so you can call in. But that, that'll be... I, I got to look into that a little bit. <laughs> but uh, as far as today's episode, there's definitely some good stuff coming up. So make sure you're settled in with a snack, uh, a beverage, maybe a safety blanket because some of these stories are going to get a little spooky. But before we get into it, uh, there's some interesting stuff in the news, so let's uh, check that out first. All right, so our first news update here is that in 2012, the remains of a mystery dinosaur were discovered by a team of scientists down in the Patagonia region of Argentina. What they found was a 98 million year old Cretaceous period set of fossils, which are now believed to be that of the largest sauropod species of dinosaurs, which they believe now is a titanosaur. Its fossilized bones are apparently still not completely unearthed, but based on the measurements of what has been excavated thus far, it's likely the largest ever uh, remains of a, a dinosaur ever found to date. <laughs> so if you were ever into dinosaurs as a kid, this is some pretty cool news. Uh, I, I was a, a fan of dinosaurs for sure. Um, maybe not, you know, a fanatical fan, but, <laughs> but a fan nonetheless. In cryptid news, Justin Humphrey, who is a legislator in the state of Oklahoma, is proposing a bill on whether or not to create a hunting season for Bigfoot in his state. Now, this has been kind of uh, kind of going around uh, in talks throughout the, the cryptid community online so far, <laughs> so I figured I'd, I'd uh, make a little mention here. Uh, this kind of raises some questions uh, or I guess really kind of rev- revives some some questions in a decades-old debate on whether it would be okay to uh, shoot or capture a Bigfoot. You know, the, the old uh, capture or, or kill uh, debate. It's certainly pretty interesting, uh, some ethics involved in it for sure. But uh, according to Humphrey, his intent, intent is apparently just kind of more of an act to bring tourism to the state. And it would also come with 
hunters needing a special license and only being able to hunt this legendary creature in a small window of time during the year. Uh, apparently, the bill also doesn't intend for people to actually kill a Bigfoot, but uh, it instead offers a bounty of $25,000 for anyone who can capture one. So what do you guys think about all this? Uh, it's kind of interesting. I'll, I'll probably throw together uh, a post uh, over on Instagram and, and uh, maybe you can leave your thoughts there. Uh, now, turning over to real estate news, the Lizzie Borden House and business associated with it, if you're uh, unfamiliar with uh, the Lizzie Borden story. Uh, this, this house is located in Fall River, Massachusetts, and is now on sale for a cool $2 million for those who are looking to make uh, a real estate investment. So this site was infamous for a 1892 double hatchet murder of Andrew and Abby Borden. Their daughter, Lizzie, was actually put on trial as the main suspect, but was ultimately acquitted. Lizzie died in 1927, um, and since she had, had since moved away and bought a different property, you know, near the end of, uh, after all, all the events of this happened, but, um, in 1996, the property was purchased and converted into a bed and breakfast museum, and now the current owners are retiring. The Fall River Historical Society um, actually promotes this house as a tourist attraction for many paranormal enthusiasts alike and has ghost tours. So hopefully uh, someone can... Uh, buy up the property and and keep that going because that's a, a neat little thing for Fall River to have. In other news, uh, Robert Bigelow of Bigelow Aerospace and Skinwalker Ranch fame has recently offered up nearly $1 million to find credible evidence to support the existence of the afterlife. The billionaire is holding a global essay contest through the Bigelow Institute of Consciousness Studies, or the BICS, and is seeking input from scientists, theologians, and researchers into consciousness, or really anybody who can provide legitimate evidence uh, for uh, the study of the subject. The first place essay will receive half a million dollars and the second and third place essays will receive three hundred thousand and one hundred fifty thousand dollars respectively so if you have some thoughts on consciousness and where it comes from and if we keep on keeping on after our mortal co uh, coil expires that's something you might want to look into. All right, that's it for the news. Uh, if you like hearing about weird news, let me know. Uh, some weeks it can be a little 
hit or miss. Weird news isn't always happening. I mean, I guess it is, but <laughs> stories that I, I think are interesting uh, might not always be there. So, you know, the, the news, the news segment might be a, a once in a while thing, but, you know, let me know what you think over on uh, Instagram or, you know, shoot me an email if you have any thoughts on that. So let's get into the story, shall we? I've made you wait long enough. All right. This uh, first story comes from Oscar over at the Induced Fear podcast. So this one is a, a UFO story. All right. So here we go. Me and my brother were driving home to California from Arizona late at night. We hit a long stretch of desert with only two lanes separated by a large dirt median. Gotta love that late night desert driving. Um, I went on a road trip a couple years ago and out there and uh, it's it's a good time. Didn't see any UFOs though. (laughs) So he says, my brother fell asleep and about a half an hour later, a bright light appeared in the sky that I thought was a helicopter but then it started moving all over the place really fast. I tried waking my brother up to try to help me figure out what it was, but he wouldn't wake up. Oh, come on, man, you got to wake up and see these things. Uh, and then he says, suddenly this light came shooting down straight at my car and I had to swerve hard to my right, which woke my brother up with him asking if I was all right. I looked behind me in the rearview mirror and didn't see any taillights to indicate that it was a car that was going the wrong way or anything like that. Unfortunately, my brother didn't see it, and all I know is that I can't explain what it was and why it shot down towards me. It was a super weird experience, though. Yeah, that's, uh, I'll say, that's definitely a pretty intense experience, um, you know, I myself had a UFO sighting many years ago with my brother while driving in a car, uh, which you know, I won't get into that here. You can, I talk about it in um, my very first episode. So if you haven't listened to that episode, please do. It's uh, episode one. <laughs> All right. Uh, our next story is from John Marshall, who is a longtime follower of the Strangeology Instagram. So thanks, John, for submitting this story and always, always digging my content, man. All right. So John's story is about Bigfoot. He says, I have been a believer since I was 12 years old. I've had experiences off and on for years, and I'm now 43 years old. One of the incidents that I constantly think about is an encounter I had at Big Sandy Lake in the Wind Rivers mountain range in Wyoming while I was on a backpacking trip. I was the only person camping at the lake, and the only other people around were a few backpackers that came through daily to go rock climb at the Cirque of the Towers, which is a few hours up the trail and over a few mountain passes. The first few days, nothing happened. I fished, I hiked around, swam, read books, drew the scenery, and generally enjoyed the peace of the area. That sounds like a really great time. (laughs) Just got to say. 
Uh, but my last night there, things happened. I was cooking my dinner at the edge of the lake, and across the lake, there was a rock slide area with trees dispersed in and around it. I kept hearing rocks clapping together. I just thought it was rocks rolling around. And I finished eating and went back to my camp to start cleaning up and pre-packing to get an early start on my hike out from the area. I got in my tent about 10 o'clock and I fell asleep listening to the sounds of the woods, you know, the insects, the breeze, and some distant wolf howls. It was great. At 2 a.m., I woke up from a dead sleep and laid there listening, and I noticed that everything was silent. No sounds from the woods at all. Now, that's, uh, you hear that a lot. That's what they, they call it the Oz effect. And, uh, when that happens, you know, things are about to go down. I was laying on my back, and as my eyes adjusted to the darkness, the slanted tent wall above me was pushed in. Nope. <laughs> I could see the outline of fingertips. Again, the fingertips. It wasn't a paw. The spread from the thumb to the pinky tip was huge. I would compare it to Shaq's hand. <laughs> to quote Moth Boys, one Shaq or two. <laughs> I coughed a little and it pulled away from the tent. It just stood there and I could hear it breathing. I said, I know you're there. And it shuffled its feet and turned and heavily but slowly walked away. The sound of the forest slowly came back to life. I got out of my tent and looked around the area it had walked away towards and saw nothing. I did feel that it was still close. I went back to my bed and tried to fall back asleep, but it was a restless night after that. I wasn't scared, just excited that it happened. I hiked out the next morning and didn't have any further encounters. Man, John, that's... That's a harrowing experience. The, the way you framed the story kind of made, made it sound like you weren't in any danger, but just imagine if the, the situation went differently. Whoever or whatever that was, I would have died. <laughs> I feel like I've seen, seen some, uh, some artwork depicting similar things recently, which is kind of an a interesting little synchronicity there. So, all right, our next... Uh, listener submission comes from Justin over at the Theory Podcast. Uh, so his stories, we we have some more Bigfoot action and then some ghost, ghost stories as well. So let's hear what Justin has to say. So Bigfoot-wise, it all started when my uncles in Bend, Oregon, in wintertime would find massive tracks in a nearby hiking trail, and I became fascinated. So last year, my dad took me on a BFRO expedition in Washington, and the first night we went out up the gravel road we all camped in, and we were just being super casual. There were 12 of us, along with some Gimlins, as in relatives of the Bob Gimlin which that's pretty cool, man, I gotta say. As we were coming down 
after an hour of hiking up the road, we decided to stick in a clearing in the road and the leader of the trip starts doing tree knocks and playing the flute. As he's playing the flute, something in the woods starts tapping on trees with sticks or tapping together. It was super rhythmic, almost like it was responding to the flute. So the lead guy of the party and whatever was knocking sticks together are going back and forth for 10 minutes. And then the the leader starts playing a harmonica instead of the flute. And whatever it was stopped responding. Uh, so we headed back to camp. I guess Bigfoot doesn't like harmonicas. <laughs> All right, Justin goes on to say, the the next day, me and my dad are on a hike of our own, and on our way out, we were about to leave, and all of a sudden, the exact same sound from the night before comes from downhill from where we are. There was a three-tap sound, and I heard it run off through the bush. We were shocked, but we didn't have time to go investigate what it was that was making the noise. So we start playing Over the Rainbow by Israel Kamaka Vivole. And we're hiking through the woods playing music. And we find this cool boulder to sit on to take a rest. We were just sitting there listening to music, eating and having drinks. And then all of a sudden it sounds like there's a woman coughing down the hill from us. So we stop and are kind of confused about hearing this unexpected noise. And then 20 seconds later, it sounded like people were talking nearby, like a full-blown conversation, but we couldn't make out the words. It sounded like loud mumbling, but with no sharp sounds, almost like you were talking with your mouth wide open and you didn't have a tongue. Sounded more like gibberish and definitely not English. That's a really interesting um, observation there. You know, you don't really think about Bigfoot having any kind of spoken language very often. At least I don't. I'm sure there's some stories out there that I haven't gotten into yet. But yeah, that's um, that's really interesting. Um, especially there was a a, a recent revelation uh, that I was reading on Reddit just the other day where someone had met Bob Gimlin at a conference and they they asked him they asked him about is there anything interesting about the Patterson Gimlin film that never gets talked about and he had mentioned that when Patty was walking away from them that he remembered hearing some kind of like mumbling sound coming from Patty. So that's a really cool connection right there. All right, so let's continue the story. At that point, my dad looked at his GPS and realized that we were close to the main road and it's it was probably just people um, but as we get to the road, we realize it's impossible that it was someone on the road 
or even near the road where we heard the people or whatever it was talking as there was nobody nearby on the trail or the road. Since then, nothing else really Bigfoot-related has happened to me. Yeah, though that's a pretty pretty intense set of experiences. I've never been Bigfooting before, but I think it's going to have to be something I do at some point in the future. I know there's uh, there's some some groups nearby, so you know maybe when when uh, COVID dies down and it's a little safer out there in the world, maybe <laughs> maybe I could uh, take a trip. That would be something fun to do. All right. Now, Justin also sent in a couple quick uh, paranormal stories, and uh, they go like this, he says. My first interaction or experience with the paranormal was at my grandma's house. She had a bathroom that was next to her laundry room, and these rooms were located in the back of her house, And for some reason, it always terrified me to go back there late at night. Like, I wouldn't get near there at all. Just the total heebie-jeebies. I mean, that's, yeah, that's definitely understandable. Like, primal fear, especially when it's dark and if you're a kid. (laughs) I think we all share that for sure. All right, now Justin goes on to say, I later learned that the house was haunted by a young girl who had been buried on the property way before the house was built. My grandmother told me that strange things would happen and the activity activity got so bad that my grandma had to see a medium to help with the seance to take care of the activity. And after that, happenings calmed down, but apparently the spirit still lingers. That's a little, <laughs> a little creepy. <laughs> All right. Now, Justin says, My first actual encounter happened five years ago at my old house. I should probably describe the layout of my old house first. So this house had an atrium in the center of it, and the dining room was in the front of the house, and there was a hallway on the opposite side of the kitchen, The living room was behind the kitchen with a wall separating them. Also, one final detail, the front of the house from the kitchen, you'd be looking into the laundry room. So one day I went into the kitchen at 6 a.m. to make my lunch for school and also to make breakfast. I was just watching YouTube and out of nowhere, I heard someone or something run out of the laundry room and into the hallway on the opposite side of the atrium. Whoever or whatever it was stopped dead in its tracks. And I asked out loud who was there, if it was my sister or my stepdad. Honestly, the sound it made made me think that it was a little girl. And at that point, I was a little freaked out. And if that wasn't enough... I could hear it run into the living room right behind me. I could feel the vibration of footsteps. I freaked out and I ran into my room and locked myself in there. And that's the end of that story. (laughs) So yeah, Justin, you've definitely had some 
very interesting experiences. I know in either case, I'd probably be a little freaked out myself, but, you know, especially at, uh, you know, any kind of paranormal activity in a home is a little disturbing <laughs> if you're not expecting it, right? If you, even if you are. Um, uh, sometime I'll have to talk about my own paranormal experiences growing up in, in a creepy, creepy house, a sometimes creepy house at least. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Justin, for, for submitting your stories. That was, that was great. So our final, final submission here is from another follower um, named Alex, Alex Dorgan. And he's had some pretty interesting experiences here that I think most people would probably nope out of if they ever happened to them. So he's got three of them here. The first one is titled The Mist. When I was about eight years old, we lived in a modest one-floor rambler built in 1946 in Sugar House, Utah. The house had two original bedrooms and a master built on. I got one of these original rooms for myself while my sister shared the other with our stepsister at the time. The doors to our rooms faced each other on opposite sides of the hallway, with the master bedroom add-on to the west and a bathroom to the east facing each other in the dead center of the hallway. My headboard was against the wall nearest to the door with a window at the foot of my bed and a massive hand-built gas-powered bi-wing airplane mounted above. When I laid in bed, I could look down at my feet and count all the stars in the sky or look to my left and see down the hall. One night around 2 or 3 a.m., I woke up laying on my side so that I was facing down the hall. I'm not even sure why I woke up. I just laid there staring. When a few minutes passed, a bright light erupted in my sister's room. Their door was closed, but I could see the light. Not from just under the door, but all the way around the door. It was at this time I tried to sit up, but I realized I wasn't able to move. After fighting for what felt like an hour... I finally was able to roll over right out of bed and onto the floor. As soon as I hit the ground, this mist started to drift out from the door across the hall. The door was still lit up with the same intense light, but it was still closed tight. Still unable to move, I noticed that the mist was getting thicker and pooling on the floor. As the mist started to creep towards me, it started to block out the light until it was completely encased in the mist. That was all that happened until I woke up in the morning, still on the floor, looking down the hall. We only lived in that house for a few more months, but I would think back to that night often, wondering and confused about what I had seen. I recently told this story to my family, and they didn't know what to think and just changed the subject when I asked them if anyone had ever seen the mist or the bright light. Holy crap, Alex. <laughs> That's like something uh, straight out of like an alien abduction movie. I uh, <laughs> Terrifying is like the first word that comes to mind there. You know, perhaps... I don't know if your your sister had a TV in her room that could potentially explain the light, but 
you know, the mist is another thing. Like that's nightmare fuel times a hundred. <laughs> so, you know, that, that'll be, that's a, yeah, that's definitely a very, very intense story. So Alex has a couple more here for us. Uh, so this next one is called the tall man. A few years later, this is after the mist incident. We lived in a house in Murray, another suburb of Salt Lake City. This house felt much heavier than any of the other houses we had lived in up to this point. There were entire rooms in the lower half of the house that I would avoid at any cost. I especially recall the room closest to the furnace. There was such a strong force in that room that when I would peek into it, the darkness would cover the ceiling in the back half of the room. It was this house that my mother saw a shadow person. One night, my mom had fallen asleep on the couch while watching a movie. She woke a few hours later. The TV had turned off because of the sleep timer, but our dog Frodo, awesome name for a dog, was growling at something as he laid by her feet. He was focused down the hall and would not break his stare. As she looked past the arm of the couch to follow his gaze, she saw what she called the tall man. He was completely black, but she could see that he had a large trench coat on. He was walking down the hallway away from her, and when he reached the end of the hall, he turned to his left and entered my sister's room. At this point, she freaked out, thinking someone had broken in and was going to kidnap or harm her daughter. She started screaming and turning every light on as she ran towards my sister's room. And when she got there, no one was there. She woke up my sister and I told and told us if we ever see anyone or anything that should not be in the house to let her know immediately. And thankfully, neither of us did. Now that's a that's super creepy story for sure, especially with your mother actually seeing uh, some kind of physical manifestation and the tall man or slender man or the hat man, you know, those are kind of common uh, themes, at least from, you know, looking into, into that whole story. It's uh, yeah, that's (laughs) definitely nope on that one for sure. And so we have one final story here from Alex which he titles Security Who? And this one is about a shadow person as well. My only shadow person experience happened a few years back. I was a systems administrator for a small company in central Utah. One of my responsibilities was security for the entire building. We had a small office in a one-floor building, And we could only have had about 30 desks in this building, which had an open floor plan. So one evening, I was doing my rounds to see who was left in the building before I started turning the lights off and locking up. I had cleared the entire building, but the front two offices. As I walked around the corner, I noticed the accountant was still working, and I leaned on the door frame to the office while we were talking. I looked down the hall just in time to see a gentleman in a black hoodie round the corner. So I said to the accountant, Oh, 
looks like we aren't the last two in the office. Let me go see who that was. I'll be right back. I walked down the hall shouting, hello? No response. As I rounded the corner, I heard some papers falling off a desk and went into that cubicle. No one was there. I did an entire sweep of the office again, checking under every desk, closet, nook, and cranny. No one else was in the building. Not convinced and worried at the possibility that my job was on the line, I sat at my desk and reviewed the security camera footage. Sure enough, the security camera facing down that hall didn't show a single person except for me walking down the hall talking to myself. So I returned to the accountant's office, and she hits me with a, you look like you've just seen a ghost. I tell her what just happened, and she asked if I had ever felt anything in this building. I, of course, told her that I had, but it wasn't anything that I felt was threatening in any way. We leased that building for seven years, and that was the only thing that I heard of happening. Yeah, that's uh, definitely an interesting experience. You know, there's certainly a plethora of uh, videos up on on the internet where there's you know security camera footage of of uh, security guards chasing after someone they thought they saw and there wasn't anyone there at all. So thanks very much for for sharing those stories. Those were definitely. Definitely some good ones. Very intense. And uh, hopefully for you listeners out there, I wasn't too uh, spooky for you. <laughs> so that just about wraps up this episode. Thanks, Oscar, John, Justin, and Alex for sharing your stories. Again, if anyone listening would like to share your story, feel free to submit yours, and it might end up on a future episode in this series. Uh, my email is strangeologist at gmail.com. Uh, you can find that over on my website as well. Uh, before I sign off, I just wanted to give a couple quick shout outs. First, thank you to all my listeners. After uh, last week's episode, we blew past 100 downloads, which is really, really awesome. Uh, so thank you for helping make that happen uh, for that first little milestone for this podcast. Uh, Strangeology also now has listeners in multiple countries now. Uh, so I will list those off. Uh, shout outs to well, the U.S., of course, uh, Canada, the U.K., Australia, Sweden, Germany, the Netherlands, and Morocco. So thank you, wherever you are, for listening. I would also be super appreciative if you shared my podcast with friends and family, you know, if they're they're into this sort of thing. Uh, it would help me out a lot uh, in getting this show to grow bigger. And if you haven't checked out my social media yet, uh, look up Strangeology on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I try to keep things updated there on the daily, at least semi-daily most times, <laughs> and uh, I like to keep it fun. And you'll also occasionally catch me doing merch giveaways as well from time to time. So if you're into having a chance to win something, you might want to give me a follow over there on the socials. 
Also, don't forget to head on over to my website, strangeology.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter, check out book recommendations over on the 14 bookshelf page, read blog posts, and also check out my shop as well for some fun cryptid gear. And speaking of blog posts, if you like writing and in the uh, topics of uh, cryptozoology, 14 research, what have you, uh, I'm trying to get set up with a couple of guest writers uh, to submit articles for my blog. Uh, So if that sounds like something that interests you, uh, be sure to get in touch with me. All right, everyone, that wraps it up here for this week. So until next time, take care of yourselves and each other and keep it strange.